Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Adloyd. How do we grieve for someone? How does it change and evolve as we get older? My dad died when I was 15 and it took me many, many years to be able to express what I had gone through. So I decided to create Griefcast, a chance to talk, share and laugh about the weirdness of grief and death. But with comedians, so it's not that depressing, I promise. Each time I talk to a different comedian about their own personal experience of grief as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club, this is a chance to talk about the peculiar human process of death. Welcome to Griefcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey Greasters, I hope you're having an okay week. Thank you so much for your really wonderful messages about our first episode of Series 4, which was last week with Lucy Porter. She's an incredible human being and it was, yeah, it was really nice to get all your messages on Twitter and on Instagram, on the email. If you don't follow us already, you can follow us on at the Griefcast on Twitter and Instagram. And I've been running some um, book competitions and giveaways on the Instagram lately, um, just some grief books. So do head over there or if you're on Instagram, do follow us I have been just just giving away some books and flowers when um, I have them to give away. And if you did enter and uh, commented or got in touch, thank you so much. I really hugely appreciate it. It is not always the easiest show to make, so it's always very nice to know that you are listening and appreciating. Thank you. This week's guest is the incredible writer and journalist Anna Whitehouse. You may know Anna by her nom de plume yeah that's the word uh, which is mother pucker um, she is an amazing woman she is a journalist as I said she also wrote a book called parenting the shit out of life with her husband Matt which is an extremely frank and very funny honest take on parenting she's done a TED talk as well um, she campaigns for what she calls the flex appeal which is to give more flexible working to parents to make their lives happier and easier and everybody basically happier and easier she's a really inspirational woman a brilliant communicator Anna came in to talk to me about the five lives that she lost on her journey to becoming a mother. 
Welcome to Griefcast. I'm here with broadcaster and author Anna Whitehouse. Hello. Author of Parenting the Shit Out of Life, which did you write like after, like two weeks after you'd had your second baby? Is that right? Well, we, we finished it about, well, I was on my hospital bed tapping out the last uh, chapter. What, after baby, hospital bed? Uh, no, just pre, having contractions on the bed. And you were writing it. while having contractions? Well, I just didn't feel like having the baby was a better option. So I thought, okay, get it, get it. There's nothing quite like a real life deadline. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. I'm one of those people that if I have a year to write something, I'll still do it in the last five minutes. Yes, yeah, same. That what was my that? issue. What I don't know. I need the, the adrenaline rush. I hate it about myself so much. I've never, ever written anything like beforehand I've always it's always the last couple of hours thinking I could probably do it now yeah I reckon there's 20 minutes I could get it done who are these people who luxuriate I know I actually don't know any writers who do do that actually it says rip the plaster off yeah I know people who did it at school and university like oh, I've done that essay but people who write professionally I don't know anyone who wasn't like I'm up like the deadline's coming and I'm doing it now so maybe that's a sign of a good writer. <laughs> I kind of just do it with everything. Like I, yeah. I went to the wrong children's party uh, yesterday. <laughs> I literally turned up at the wrong venue, but there was another children's party there. I've done and yes. turned up. I said, "I'm here for Sophia's party." Then, uh, no, uh, it's uh, it's it's Terry's party. I think I can't remember what the name of the kid was. Even it was <laughs> Terry is bold. Terry, Terry, <laughs> Terry's like fifty-seven. <laughs> it's, it's Terry's sixtieth. Uh, yeah, there was another completely different party. I'd got the wrong. And the stick. I was like, this is why I need like proper deadlines. Yeah. Like I, I don't work well when there's time. No. Because it's actually a party that's next weekend, you see. And that's me so not were, focusing. Yeah, you were on it. You were like, let's yeah. go now, let's get it done. <laughs> Rip that plaster off. I only went to the wrong bit of the hall. There were two halls. And I was at the, the kids' party for ages. And I was like thinking, God, I don't know anyone. <laughs> I don't know any of the kids. And then I was like, is this Martha's party? Because I was like, no, it's Alex's. <laughs> Okay. It's and I found a door and went downstairs. I was like, oh, right, okay, Martha was downstairs. My children have more of a social life than I do. Oh, I mean, they're yeah. literally hitting the tiles while I'm considering changing the tiles in my bathroom. <laughs> like, I'm thinking about grouting. Oh. And they're, you know, thinking about, should we get the gruffalo? For, I'm like, God, I haven't bought a birthday present for anyone in about 10 years. Yeah, that's not under five. That's not under five, yeah. yeah. I think it's quite nice, though. I quite like going to the... Because I feel... Having not been to many, because obviously my little girl is only uh, nearly two, um, but I quite like, I feel like less pressure than adult parties. And there's, the pressure I feel is around the the buffet food, which is meant for the child. Oh, yeah. You're desperate to kind of get stuck in and then you go in going, I'm just going to get some sausage rolls for May. I did slightly fight and push ahead of a child for some birthday cake <laughs> for myself. I didn't quite realise I was doing it. I was, like, grabbing Colin, the caterpillar, of <laughs> The and, head bit. Yeah. And I, or like, the bottom. I grabbed it, pretending it was for my daughter, but I don't really let her have cake, so it was for me. And um, I saw a little kid, like, sort of look at me like, I was supposed to get that bit. And I had a real moment of, like, oh, that mine, was, mine, yeah, mine, mine, mine. And I thought that wasn't great, but also I thought, fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, kid, you're too slow. Because I still feel like I'm still feel like you're a child sometimes. You're like, well, why well, want the cake too? I love that, like, at age five, you'd be like, fuck you. Yeah, I was. I was like, you were too slow, mate. Yeah. And I didn't know him know him, you know what I mean? It wasn't like one that you felt bad. It was like it was some random kid. Random party kid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Ones that they're like, your child is friends with you feel bad for. But one, you're like, who are you? Some, like, cousin? Of the yeah. birthday person? Who cares? I know. It's like a parenthood you're expected to change overnight into some oh, kind of like know, really caring, person. thoughtful person. <laughs> no. No, not when it comes I'm to cake. I'm still a massive camp. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm very thoughtful lots of things, but not when it comes to cake. I'm actually all. really good with strangers. How are you? I'm better with strangers than with people I know and love. 
Yeah, I know what you mean. Depends what mood I'm in. I'm either amazing, like you think, God, that woman is absolutely charming, or you think, how is that person in comedy or involved in anything professional? Because she can't speak. <laughs> like sometimes I get people being like, oh, she's an actor, is she? So it's not going And they give well. you that kind of patronising arm squeeze. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, oh, well done on your on podcast. Your... Is it a podcast? <laughs> like my mum doesn't really understand what any of it is. Well done on your things. Yeah. The things you do. The things. That, you know, make you money. They, well, they always say to me, it's hard to um, make a living out of it. <laughs> That's what I always get. <laughs> I think, I wouldn't say that if someone said I'm an accountant, oh, must be boring like you wouldn't go for the obvious no you'd be like oh that's great like you know like don't obviously say what the cliche is which yes it is hard yes it is hard my so. dad calls it because we do blogging on mother pucker yeah he um he's like how's the flogging going <laughs> i'm like yeah i haven't complete i mean i've sold a few bits you know a few <laughs> limbs on the internet yeah. but like i'm not like everyday flogging he's like oh no i sorry i mean what is it the blogging the blogging, vlogging, the vlogging. The, i'm like whatever it is because yeah. said if people don't know you um by anna whitehouse they might know you by mother pucker or mother sucker, or mother sucker. <laughs> if i'm doing a youtube you, you porn advert <laughs> <laughs> depending which way we go depending which way you go it's tell two sides it's there for you yeah so yeah you are huge on instagram absolutely huge and you have a blog and you vlog and you have a podcast as well but it's mainly about parenting yeah that's right I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean that's where we met was yes. at the podcast awards yeah yeah when you won I didn't, and we got bronze i didn't beat you did you i got, well i don't know you won everything no, it was different category it was different it's category. fine i'm fine with it it's fine i'm fine i only say that because i very awkwardly did someone else's podcast <laughs> having no idea that i'd beat them in their like absolutely you chat all over them and just... then they brought it up immediately and i was like <laughs> i was like no you were in the something else they're like no i was in that I was like, and there's nothing worse than somebody going no you did really you got the prize for effort yeah, yeah. don't you remember i got the prize for excellence you got, you, best got fam- you were bronze you were... for best family though weren't you yeah see i can't i'm I'm not entering the family. You're fine. <laughs> it's I'm fine. Joking, I'm joking. <laughs> you're in the middle. Yeah, so you're, and your podcast is called Dirty Motherpucker. Dirty Motherpucker. Sorry. Yes, Dirty Motherpucker. You're really good at names. I think Parenting the Shit Out of Life, Motherpucker, and Dirty Motherpucker are good names. Thanks. Yeah, I think that's like, I like all of those things make me think, oh yeah, that sounds good. Well, it was because when I was a journalist, um, I kept putting out pitches for the bit. After you know this, you when you have a baby, yeah. and then suddenly you're expected to go from like L magazine to mother and baby, right, yeah. and I was like, what is that bit in between? Like, I'm not, I'm not suddenly gonna, yeah. I don't just care about nipple teats. <laughs> I, ju- I genuinely want something to bridge that gap. Yeah, so that's yeah. when I was like, mother, what the fuck is that? And then ah. I was like, that's where it came from. But I obviously watered it down a little bit. It's brilliant. Thanks. It's absolutely brilliant. Do I get gold? Yes, you get a gold. Just for today, carry out award. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Yes, and you do write a lot about parenting and you have two children yourself, but obviously that's not quite why you're here to talk today about that side of your life. So who are we remembering today? We're remembering... So that's uh, a weird question for what I obviously know what who we're remembering. Yeah, uh, it's... Um, so the five little lives that didn't make it outside, uh, we uh, we had five miscarriages in... I say it is a, the process of having children. Yeah. I think it does... It started to feel like a process. Wow, um, yeah. And so, yeah, we're remembering... Uh, I wanted to talk about those five lives that still very much are with us. So was that b- between your first child and... Your, what the one that survived, the yeah. second one that survived, yes. So, I mean, you can speak because it's spoken about so clinically yeah, by doctors. Yeah. I sort of start speaking about. So we had um, three before uh, my first daughter oh, and two wow. before the second. Oh, okay, so um, you did have. So you had three miscarriages before your first daughter. So how old were you when that happened? So well, your we, first one when this sort of. 
It was bizarre, actually, uh, because we didn't... Uh, I've re- written about this in the book. Um, we didn't want the first one, which sounds an awful thing wow, to say. Right, but yeah, unexpected. It, you know, and it's something that I felt I've really thought long and hard about even saying out loud yeah, in yeah. retrospect how difficult it was to actually conceive and have uh, a child in the in the end. But we, I was very young. Uh, Matt and I had known each other for two weeks and I got pregnant. Whoa. Uh, we'd really... Your body was like this is the one this is the one let's see the deal I was like honey uh, we're gonna have to change things up and I was going through the process of having an abortion wow and uh, I had booked in and in my mind it was very much this is the clear thing to do we've known each other two weeks Um, I was very young we worked in the same company um, and it didn't feel like the right time yeah. there are many very personal reasons for that but ultimately it it didn't feel right for us and um so i'd booked in and the day that i was meant to go in for an abortion i uh, started bleeding wow and it was in a very bizarre almost 360 degree turn of events uh where i just suddenly the minute i started losing something that mm. i actually didn't want I wanted it I knew in that moment uh that I I hadn't connected I think with pregnancy as a life which sounds a really callous cold-hearted thing to say but um I think we'd been told you know that uh, pregnancy is terrible 16 and pregnant pregnancy is bad and actually in that moment when I started bleeding it my desk at work um I rang up Matt and I said uh I am bleeding I I don't want to lose this child and in that moment I think bizarrely uh not only did we it was more important that moment than any wedding or anything that came after that we both just went we do want this and it was such a bizarre change of events within 30 seconds wow but I think it it's so it's such a difficult topic to talk about, which is why I admire you so much that you have been so open and honest about what happened to you. Because I think, especially for like the, counting the privilege that we live in a very you know with a Western society with extreme easy access to these things, especially in this country compared to other countries. Yeah, it's really hard to talk about abortion and miscarriage and pregnancy without acknowledging without sounding like I'm not saying abortion is bad but yeah it is a life and that is I think once you've had a child it starts taking on a slightly different meaning and I'm obviously very pro-choice and not saying at all that if you have an abortion it's a bad thing but it is it is a life that is what's happening it felt like a word I couldn't say yeah I think especially having miscarried then after that uh, five times following I think having made you just feel like um I'd made a decision I didn't want this child yeah and then suddenly you think well it actually wasn't a decision that was mine to make Mm. and I think that was the moment that was very difficult um and I you know I'm agree with you I'm totally pro-choice uh I'm totally behind what anyone feels is right for their body for their that moment in time but um I did not count on shifting my perspective so quickly yeah. uh, when actually realising that decision wasn't mine or Matt's to make. Why am I mourning something I didn't even want? Mm. And I did want it, I think. It's so complicated, isn't it? It's so complicated. And I think I know women that have had abortions, wanted them, had them, and still felt that like that loss of something because it is a loss of something. And I think that's why I am pro-choice because I feel like 
if a woman can say, not that we have to get into this, but like, you know, if a, if a woman acknowledges, yes, this is so important and it is a real life that I can't do this and I'm going to let this life down, that's why. So it's sort of like the backwards argument because I feel sometimes like with the argument pro-choice, it's like, oh, it's not real. It's just a thing. It's just a dot. It's not a person yet. And you're like, no, no, it is a life. And that's how seriously I take it. That if I can't look after it. I'm going to damage that life. Like that's it is a life. Why I need to be allowed to make the decision because I could really fuck this up. So yeah, did you feel? I mean, this, I don't mean this badly, but did you feel guilty that you were had heading for that abortion? I think uh, the minute that we started, I started bleeding. I say we because it was yeah, very much yeah. like I think men get cut out of the conversation yeah. so much in terms and it's of. It's so tricky because they're not the ones bleeding, so it's it's really hard to bring them in to that conversation. I just didn't... Ex- I think every woman who goes through pregnancy, and obviously I'm, I came at it from a very different perspective at that point, not wanting that mm. life, but anybody who goes through pregnancy, the minute you see that blood in your pants, mm. you there's a life that you're aware of. There mm. is something that you can't ignore. And I felt extreme guilt, I think, for in retrospect, uh, not realising that the beginning of our... I thought it would just be easy to get pregnant. You know, Mm. I just thought it was a choice I had. You know, it's, like you say, incredibly privileged to have a child. Uh, It's something that I feel privileged on a daily basis, every second of the day, I think. How did I, at that point, think, I'll just abandon this life because I made a mistake? And that's my... Feelings of guilt. Mm. Uh, I did blame myself from that point onwards because we went on to have uh, three miscarriages after that. Um, And uh, I think there was an element of guilt laced into every single miscarriage that happened from that point. Like, it wasn't my decision. Because. Not because you should feel guilty, because no, I know no. how yeah, all no, you're not. Because you're I know, not yeah. <laughs> miscarriage guilting me. <laughs> yeah, but because I know how I would feel as a woman. Like, yeah. and I know that the torture women do to themselves, and I know that it'd be so easy to be like, oh, well, there you go. Like, you know, that's what happened. Like, because we are so amazing at torturing ourselves. So you had that miscarriage, and obviously that was the first one. Did you feel like how long did it take you to sort of process it? Did you feel like you moved through it easily, or did it sort of did the grief stay with you for a while? It was really, I think, there are very few moments in your life where you go from one extreme to the other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And when Matt and I, I was um, in hospital miscarrying and I remember them saying, do you want to see the fetus? Was this the first time? This was the first time in hospital. Matt and I had been going out for two weeks. (laughs) We'd barely, we'd we'd probably had sex twice. So you started bleeding, you took yourself to hospital? Yeah, it was wow. uh, within the same day. Uh, and then we were rushed. It was a quite a bad situation. Oh, wow. And Matt, I remember him lying on the floor overnight with one of those like woolen blankets. And it was that moment when the sonographer was putting the sort of gel on my stomach and said, I'm sorry, it's bad news. And she didn't know that obviously we were planning planning yeah, yeah. it to for it to be yeah. for it not to happen see i can't even say it you yeah. know it's it's a really weird thing i can't even say i can't even believe that i was in that position of thinking i had that choice yeah. and um so i remember matt saying yes he wanted to see it and can you imagine i you know i'm not trying to make light of this but we'd been going out two weeks we'd had a few drunken 4am sessions (laughs) like full on mashup like uh, you know we were in the first throes of romance and then you go from you know beer and a burger down Weatherspoons to 
A&E lying on the floor, do you want to see your inviable fetus? Wow. It was just like, Jesus fucking Christ. You yeah, know, I guess you if you can it, get through that, that is a pretty good standing point, isn't it? Like, that's when we got married. Yeah. Like we, bo- <laughs> yeah. we both said that was the point when we actually were like, we're in this now. Wow. Uh, we faced something that I don't think many couples will face within two weeks of yeah. your time together. I mean, we, we cut. We cut straight to straight to the grief. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, there's and I think I saw who he was in that moment, and I will never forget walking down that. Hot, it was like running the maternal gauntlet, walking down oh, this. God. They put me on a maternity ward. Why do they do that? I, don't I just understand. don't know. How they do Every that. woman who's been through that says that to me, and I always think. Is it beds? Is it lack of beds? Or is it like, we just don't know where to put you? Like it's. I was in a room with a woman who was contracting. Oh, my God. So yeah. it was just this tale of two, like, morbid sides. One it's screaming, she's death. having... It was simply the line between life and death. And we were on the same in the same room. And I just remember watching Coronation Street, just eating. And I remember eating a Coronation sandwich, the Coronation chicken sandwich, and I remember trying to, we had to find some light in this dark. Yeah, of course. And uh, I was like, Matt, I'm watching uh, Coronation Street and I've got a Coronation chicken sandwich. And he was like, you're better than that, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> you're better than that. You're better than that. I was just like, and he's Scottish. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying yeah. to do a Scottish accent. You're better than that, Anna. I was like, <laughs> I know. I mean, we have basically gone on two dates decided to have an abortion, ended up having a miscarriage and now we're in A&E and I'm talking about coronation chicken sandwich. I'm sorry that my chat isn't up to scratch. Yeah, sorry babes. Sorry babes. I've got some stuff on my mind right got now. got some stuff on my mind. But yeah, it was, um, it was a, weird, a very bizarre time and I think wow. there was grief that kind of weighed down from that point. But, that must uh, have been so hard. I can't, I can't even imagine. That must have been so, so hard to, to even go from that shift. I think it's hard to be like, oh, actually I do want a baby. Actually, like that in itself would be a huge emotional roller coaster to then have to lose that life and then be around women popping them out. It's like all within 24 hours. Yeah, it was basically yeah. like so dramatic, Anna. It was just, and I, and the worst thing, uh, the thing I can't deal with is, um, that the abortion clinic then obviously I hadn't told them that I wasn't coming in, so then was getting kind of messages and phone calls saying where are you and it was just like it was an absolute it was a it was like nightmare on maternity wards and there is you know I'm laughing about it in a kind of manic way but uh when like I say I was in two minds about even mentioning the word abortion in the same sentence as miscarriage but since opening up that discussion so many people have come forward with that weight of guilt yeah women who have had abortions and then have miscarried and yeah. feeling like there is a link between the two and i think medically i've spoken to a lot of people they can't there isn't um don't i think don't bear the burden of that guilt because every single pregnancy every single decision you make uh, where you what point you are in your life yeah. is going to be different it's um it's a bit like when people it's a bit like when you talk about losing a, a parent and you are, this is a long metaphor, but there's a, if you're happy with where you are now and you know that partly you owe that to your parent dying and there's a guilt of that, of like, oh, I'm, I'm happy now. Does that mean I'm happy they're dead? And it's not, it's not. It's just like, well, this is where I am. And I think that's the thing with abortion and miscarriage. It's like, if you hadn't have had that abortion, that doesn't mean other miscarriage wouldn't happen or that that life would be, you would be 
wonderful. That life that you close the door on, you, you can't open that door and like, oh, there's unicorns over there and it's amazing. Yeah. But it's easy to torture yourself and go, oh, well, if I hadn't, if I hadn't. But it, it's it's not the truth if that's not how life works. That I decision, tortured myself. It's exactly yeah, that. That decision um, doesn't mean, doesn't lead to that. That's not how the gods above didn't go, well, now she will have this to punish her. But we, that's how you feel. I'm, I completely understand that. It's punishment. I think that's yeah. actually, it, it feels, you, you know, you're being punished for that decision. When I miscarried, uh, when we had my, I had my first daughter, May, and uh, we were trying to get pregnant for the second time, I remember, again, it feels, the way reason I sort of laugh, I, oh, I'm yeah. one of those people that laughs at funerals, but not... You're in the right like place. A, <laughs> like, this is where we are. This is where the gang is. This is the people It's like laugh. a manic, yeah. like, when talking about anything... Well, it's either you laugh or cry. It's and very I, much yeah. that line. Life and death yeah. in that maternity ward. Pregnant woman having contractions versus woman with inviolable fetus. Yeah. It's the same. Like, I, I just, that line between kind of deep, sadness and hysterical laughter yeah. is so thin for me and we I was my daughter knew I was pregnant because uh, we were about sort of nine weeks and she'd seen that I was pregnant and I yeah. knew I was miscarrying and I'd gone into her uh, nursery to pick her up and she was like mama why are you crying and I had like she called it the black tears uh, where your mascara is kind of down oh. your face. And I hadn't even noticed, cause, wow. but I was just kind of in a bit of a mess. And I was in the nursery and I miscarried at nursery and she was in the toilet with me. And again, it's these worlds colliding wow. where you're hearing the cacophony of all these children like squawking outside. And she's like, why are you crying? Why the, why the black tears? And I just felt I can't lie to you because you knew she knows I was pregnant. And yeah. I just said, "Mummy, um, mummy has lost lost a baby, but it's not mummy's fault. Mm. Uh, you know, this is just what's happened." And she said, "Oh, it was just very matter of fact. Oh, where did you lose it?" I was like, "Oh God!" Oh, uh, God. As I was literally like, "Well, it's oh God, it's in the top. I, just, I can't even yeah. articulate it." I said, "Look, I didn't lose the baby. Sometimes it just doesn't work out." And she said, "But you can have another one." Well, yeah, I, I hopefully can. Yeah. And she said, can the doctor put another one in? Uh, <laughs> I was like, well, we'll have to talk to Papa about yeah, that. Yeah, we'll talk to Daddy uh, about that, not the doctor. It, the doctor's going to slip me one. We're going to need to talk, to talk to Papa about that. And then the thing that literally turned me around from feeling that nightmarish scenario again was um, she said, can, can the next one be black? <laughs> like my friend Zion. And I was like... Again, um, <laughs> to have to talk to Papa about that one, and it was her just questioning, just yeah. really simple questioning. Without that, I think as adults we feel a need to instinctively protect yeah. somebody. Whereas actually, her line between sort of life and death was quite factual, yeah. and it was well you you can just have another one and and her way of actually dealing with that she was three at the time and wow. I was in two minds about even having this conversation mm. but she just held my hand and just said you know we, we'll just have another one we'll call it Zion <laughs> yes yes we will okay, yep. yeah yeah and it was you know again those lines crossing yeah. and uh, it felt very bizarre but I weirdly felt uplifted by a three-year-old in a way that Adults have tried yeah. to make your loss okay yeah. when actually you do just sometimes need more of a factual look you in the eye and go, it's going to be okay, I'm here, yeah. I'm in the hole with you. And yeah, let's go and work on <laughs> that brother for me called Zion. <laughs> 
Okay. I'll leave you guys to it. Yeah. I've told you what I want. Um, <laughs> however it happens is up to you. Yeah, it's interesting. I I try and... I, I think the thing about being honest with kids is it's very important. I mean, I, know, I always worry when things are fashionable because it's fashionable now to be honest with kids. And I always have this <coughs> vision of in 20, year time, 20 years' time, they're like, oh my God, can you believe they used to tell children everything? <laughs> like now... We think about Finder's crispy pancakes and yeah. <laughs> what my mum used to feed me. Apologies, mum. I know she listens. Um, <laughs> but like, I cry in front of my daughter, which my mum once said to me, oh, don't let her see you upset. And I was like, why? Like, surely that's how we teach them that miscarriages may happen. It's okay. Like, my mum went like, I think that's amazing that you were able to communicate that with her. That's a testament to your guy's relationship. Definitely. I don't think it was intended. I think yeah, that's no, the thing. No. It was a bit of a, I think sometimes there is, overspill yeah and actually in it, it, I didn't realize how it would end it ended up being a great thing yeah. but it could have gone it could have been it could have gone one of two ways um it could have done, but I think there's something in those stressful moments where you make that decision and there's someone in your brain that knows that's the right thing to do like sometimes when you're under great stress and you are emotionally vulnerable you do make that choice because somewhere in your heart you're like yeah that is the parent I want to be and actually I know my daughter will be there for me that's but it's hard. I think sometimes you don't know that till you're sitting on the toilet crying. Do you know what I mean? Like, you wouldn't intentionally think, I'm going to tell her about my miscarriage. Like, I don't think any parent makes that choice. But no, think... today we're going to talk miscarriage and <laughs> yeah. inviolable fetuses. Yeah, yeah. To yeah. a three-year-old, that would definitely be no. quite intense. But if they see you, that's what I mean. Like, I was, I can't remember what I was upset about, but I didn't make the choice for her to see it. She was just there. And I thought, well, I could walk out the room or I could just stay in the room and cry and then get better. Yeah. And then hopefully she'll see that, oh, mummy cried and then she talked about it and then it was okay rather than like, when you cry, run away. <laughs> Don't let people see <laughs> the black tears. The black tears. Black tears is a beautiful phrase. That's wonderful. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Ad Lloyd. So was that your second miscarriage? 
that was a uh, fourth one. Fourth one. Oh, right. Yes, so. after May. So, sorry, I'm just get get the timeline. It sounds yeah. like I'm being very factual <laughs> it's okay. and uncaring. But so you had that first. Call one. it the grief line. The grief line. The grief, the grief line. line. Yeah. And then you had another two before May came along. Yeah. So, so how did you feel when you were pregnant with May? Was that a very? It must have been a very stressful pregnancy. Were you constantly kind of on edge, or did did you hit a point that you thought, okay, she's definitely here, or? Did you did you have anxiety through pregnancy? I had massive anxiety because I am so anxious as a person, and I did worry about. I mean, again, I'm I've interviewed um, the comedian Sarah Barron about miscarriage, and she was astounded that I I hadn't had a miscarriage before. I just got pregnant, and it was right. And so I didn't have that. I worried about it a lot, but I hadn't experienced it, and I do feel very privileged because miscarriages are so common my friend Sarah was like what is wrong with you like yeah. why haven't you had one yeah. <laughs> I was like, you're not the one in four yeah yeah and I was like oh yeah I it's I feel very lucky that but again you know I've only I've only had one child and we've only tried and yeah you know, that's even the con even the, the chat around trying makes me feel a bit sick yeah like, uh, I know yeah we try, we're trying we're trying really hard we're yeah. you know so I was very anxious the whole time I was pregnant but more about it's more just a general death Either her dying or me dying. But that's my general <laughs> death anxiety. Because <laughs> I do have death anxiety because of my dad. So I just had this... And my thing was always like, what if I die before she, you know, before I can do anything? Because that's my fear is the parent going. Um, I was yeah. thinking that I was on a flight last week and I was thinking exactly that. I've yeah. never had death anxiety before having children. Yeah. And it is that sense of uh, we were just on a flight and I was just considering the exact moment the plane went down what I would do yeah. like um would I would I know how to do the oxygen mask because I never listen, <laughs> never listen you know yeah, I never listen I'm like I really fall. should start listening to this yeah. stuff because she needs me there's not it's not just me anymore yeah. you know um, I think when you lose a parent young you just get death anxiety sooner so I've had it since I was 15 like that fear of like but what if any if my mum dies my brother dies, if I die like and I'm, most people I know go oh once I had a child I suddenly thought oh my god I'm important whereas when you lose a parent young you're like I know what parents do yeah. so I don't want to lose another one <laughs> like, yeah. I know what that shit is like we need to guys need to stop taking drugs stop taking planes mum <laughs> look left look right yeah. then cross the road yeah you get very like like a parent well, you know? when May crosses the road because I'm so anxious about yeah, I mean yeah. like that she literally de declares I will not die <laughs> and it's quite sort of dramatic she looks left she looks right I will not die I will not die good keep, get it start them early start them early people are looking at me like Guys. wow that's quite, that's quite intense parenting I was like it is important <laughs> it's important that she does not die while crossing the road Guys. yeah yeah it's oh yeah whatever gets you cross the road that's how I feel if that works it works so yeah when I was pregnant I was anxious but from a very different perspective I think than someone who'd already lost a child I think so did is that how you felt when you were pregnant with May did you have the constant am I going to even get to the end of this it's probably similar to the kind of the sort of fear of uh, yeah. death that you have yeah. in terms of when you've experienced um, loss of a child. And I keep saying loss of child because the whole miscarriage, the word is just so clinical yeah. and inviolable fetus. And I remember the doctor saying the fetus will pass. I'm like, what? I have a name. I'm yeah. like, I have a name. And I think that's uh, what something Elle from Feathering the Empty Nest does very well. Her book's called Ask Me His Name. Yeah, yeah. And I think there is an element that within the medical profession where that is absent. And so you're kind of 
when you've lost lives uh, along the way on the journey to having a child, I think you, every time I went to the toilet, I was checking for blood. Every single time. It was like knicker roulette. (laughs) It's the only way I can describe it. You know, it's that um, sickening feeling. And I did bleed a couple of times and it's it's uncontrollable. You're sobbing within seconds um, because you're feeling in the gusset of your knickers that life ebbing away. You feel it's going and there's nothing you can and you're, do. You're so out of control. I think that's the thing. It's, you can't, yeah, there's nothing you know, you can it's do. within you. It's not something that you feel that, you know, you can, look, let's get a oxygen mask on. Yeah. Let's, let's find a medical way to do this. It's something, it's a tiny, tiny life that is uh, ebbing away from you. And I think when you've lost babies along the way to, um, as Matt calls it, splashdown. <laughs> He's quite, he's quite basic yeah. in his pregnancy terms. You do have that innate fear of, uh, yeah, bleeding, yeah. of um, losing. And you know, you know that the medical profession isn't set up for that grief. And I think that's the bit that was really difficult. Is um, We talked about on Sarah's episode as well, because she was saying even the word miscarriage, it applies from like two weeks to you know, eight months, like, like, or there's, we're miss, like, we're missing the language for what that is, because it's so painful. So I think it's that thing of people just go, or have done for hundreds of years of, well, we just don't know what to say. So we're just not going to invent a word for that. Like we have how many words for rain, mist, drizzle, mice, like, we have all this stuff for weather, but to say, miscarriage, miscarriage, to sum up all this stuff. It's yeah, it's really, it's again, it's where language fails, which is unusual for as my the person that really helped me was it's the difference between empathy and sympathy Mm. and uh, it was one of my best friends and I'd miscarried for the third time before we had May and I felt this is it I actually decided that I had my family already which was Matt a curmudgeonly Scot with (laughs) a very strong eyebrow game I was like that's my family Matt and the two eyebrows (laughs) which sounds like a really dodgy band um (laughs) And I was like, and that's I will, my... F- I will pluck them well. I will pluck them. I will pluck them well and I will maintain that brow. And um, I felt I had my family and I'd given up. Yeah. I'd totally given of up. Of course, I completely understand that. And uh, my friend Pippa, she sort of sat me down. She sat in the hole with me. She didn't say, are you OK? There's nobody that can respond, I think, to any kind mm. of grief with, well... <laughs> no, not really. I don't really yeah. know where to start. And she sat with me in the hole. She stacked up the Jaffa cakes. She put a cup of tea on. And she put, she said, um, I want to make you the godmother of my daughter. And it was, it was a moment, just one woman sitting in a hole with another woman, giving me a role in a child's life that at that point... I didn't think I'd have. Mm. And I think I will never forget uh, what she did. She didn't try and rationalise my grief. She didn't try and try and make, help me understand. She didn't do anything other than a cup of tea, Jaffa cakes and a role in her daughter's life. And I think it got me out of a, a hole. And I'll never forget her for that. And I made her my daughter's godmother. And I think it was, it's those moments uh, 
that when I thought I wasn't going to come through this with a family that I had in my mind, that I realised it's the people around you. It was Pippa. Mm. She was my family. Matt's my family, my sister. We had a goldfish at the time called Fre- Frederick. It was actually Frederic with a uh, very French, <laughs> with a Q-U-E at the end. It was very, very Parisian. And it was really cobbling together those bits that I hadn't seen as a family. Yeah. And that was actually bizarrely, three weeks later, I got pregnant with May. Wow. Um, oh, my God. But it was when I'd given up. Yeah. And um, It is like, I think, I mean, what an amazing woman. Because I think, as ever with grief, people just worry about doing the, so, the wrong thing. And I can imagine her thinking... Oh, is this going to go down badly? Is someone going to be like, I don't want to be your fucking godmother. <laughs> you know, like, you yeah. don't, you, but to just try, like you said, to just climb down in the hole and just offer something rather than, like, yeah, questions, which can be so much pressure on the person to be like, well, I don't know if I'm okay. I don't know if I had the language to say, but just to say, well, here's a thing. What do you think? It was exactly that. It and wasn't you sort of a dramatic fine, yeah, then, fanfare with, you know, yeah. doves and pigeons going, I know that you obviously can't have children, so I'll give yeah. you a role in uh, Imogen's life. It yeah. was, um, you're my mate, uh, you know, she could do with some, like, <laughs> guidance. I was yeah. like, guidance on? Bear in mind, I was the vice editor at Time Out at the time. Yeah, so yeah, I was yeah. like, guidance on dildos? <laughs> hey, I mean, I can offer a, that. A girl's going to need that eventually. I know a lot about the purple pulsator. Not yet, but eventually you're going to be the very cruel godmother. <laughs> eventually that is going to play out so well. Well done, Pippa. She thought ahead. But yeah, I just think that's... Oh, it's so hard because I think that's the problem. People, they don't know what to do. They're afraid of doing something wrong, so they do nothing. And that's and then that becomes pain. And they feel stunted because they're like, well, I didn't do anything, so I'm ashamed. And the person who's grieving feels a, a pain of, well, you didn't reach out. And then that friendship almost dies because it's like, well, I was I stuck my hand out and you weren't there. And I was fucking angry yeah, at anyone course. who was pregnant. Oh, I mean, God. I was savage. You know, yeah. I just became this savage that was papering over the cracks, like pretending to be okay. And then crumpling on uh, the metro in Amsterdam, we were living, seeing a Pampers ad. You know, it was, yeah. I was just like, I'm fine. And I don't think anyone that says I'm fine is fine. It's fine. <laughs> I've seen that on yeah. many comedy sketches yeah. and I kind of agree with it entirely. Like yeah. it's, because if any, when you go beyond, I'm fine. Like I don't. Know, where did you start? Like you know, I mean, I I'm snot bubbling yeah. on you know in the red light district as people are walking past, going, Dave, Dave, <laughs> let's go get some gear from here. And you know, I'm like, why are you crying, love? I don't know. I'm just, I lost a baby, yeah. and I, you know, it, it, there's no. And I think uh, many people have heard say it, and I think I concur. Is just at least. At least you can have children. Well, yeah, at least. It's not helping if someone's lost a leg, you know. Yeah. It's not, well, at least you've got an arm. Yeah. It doesn't help. I um, think it's, it's, the, it's trying to make things better. And, of course, and again, it's trying to, which I try and do the show, break down the hierarchy of grief. Like, it's not that... Well, Anna can be sad, but then she had two kids, so she's not allowed to be more sad than the lady that didn't have children. Like, I just don't It's not it like grief top like trumps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm the Yoda of grief. And I really do believe, listening to this show, like, you know, you'll have people come on and they're more bereft about their granddad than perhaps I was ever about my dad. But that's, that doesn't make their grief more better than my, it's like, it's who you are. It's different. It's how you feel about things. And, you know, it's just, it's not how life works. You can't categorise it. You know, you can't, like we said, be that medicalization, you know, just very, like, blank about it. And actually, that's not what May did to you when she was saying that. May was being very... 
simple about it, which is not unemotional. And she, uh, our neighbour, Derek, died uh, from next door. And uh, I had built up telling her over 12 hours. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to break it to her. This is just going to be awful. She came back from school. I sat her down. I've got something very sad to tell you. I'm afraid that Derek has died. Um, And I looked her in the eye and it was just silence. And she said... "Um, can I have his uh, teddy bear? Because <laughs> he had a teddy bear that his wife, before she passed away, had given to Derek. I mean, this is just a chain of, yeah. <laughs> of grief and teddy bears from, like, sponsored by Clintons. I mean, it, you know. And I sort of looked her in the eye. I was like, I'm sure you can. Are you okay? And she was like, yes, it's, yes. And then my, my husband came back and he just said, uh, Derek's dead. Yeah. I was like, God, like I'd built this up. And clearly, you know, she was sad, but the way that she compartmentalised things yeah. is different to yeah. me. Um, you know, I, I'm and not... under 10, they basically, the, what the grief psychologists say, under 10, you don't know what dead means. It doesn't it's... mean, you can't understand forever because you've only had, you know, four years of forever. She's just where they're all getting mash up in heaven. Yeah, That's yeah, kind of exactly. the vibe and it sounds like somewhere. quite a cool place. Yeah. So why would you be sad? And I yeah. get the teddy bear, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's, if that's the thing of, I guess that's the thing of just come back to like, but you preparing it in a sad way or you being sensitive to her being sad is all that matters. Like that's all that a child needs is just to someone to be rather than you, her coming in and being like, Derek's dead, mate. Like, <laughs> that would be the inappropriate reaction. Of yeah. like, so I think that's, God, like it's, yeah, it's just trying to take, trying to do your best and then if you get it wrong, trying to be okay with that and me being accepting I'm going to be sobbing outside our house just mm. seeing a skip with all of Derek's old things in it yeah. there's family clearing out like I just saw an old cornflakes packet <laughs> and you just you know like I'm I overthink every yeah. minute all minute details of that person's life I'm like was that the last cereal we had you yeah. know and it's so just processing it in a very different way. And my husband's very... I remember when he lost his father, he would not say anything. He didn't say mm. a thing. He just closed up like a clam. And the way I got through to him was simply by holding his feet. Aww. I literally just held his feet like... His, well, I say feet. Like, pretty, it was a big, big thing on my part because they look like claws. <laughs> They're pretty <laughs> rank. I'm not going to lie. Like, I wouldn't normally go near them, the I was, trotters. I was being very nice wife, guys. Yeah, <laughs> I was doing a really good thing there. <laughs> yeah. But he had these trotters out and I didn't know how to talk to him because yeah. he really didn't want to talk about it. And I just held his feet for about an hour. Like, it was bizarre. Anyone looking in would be like, what the frick are you guys doing? That's um, so interesting because we talked about another Kaylee Llewellyn's episode about when she, she lost six members of her family in a year. And she had this thing that she had to take her shoes and socks off and she had to go and stand on grass. And it's actually known as a grounding. It's like a, a thing they recommend that you do is that you just get your feet out of socks and you stand on the earth or something so you holding his feet is like some primal urge to ground him and bring him back but like again we don't know we're doing these things we just think we're all just monkeys yeah exactly we are just figuring it out like going will that work so you had may obviously must have been incredible and then when you started trying again so how long was the next miscarriage after how old was May? Uh, she was three years old. So she was three. When that's had when, when she asked for Zion. Right, which I was like, did that must have been very painful to go back to those feelings after having had the joy of a child. Because that's, I think, whenever someone near me has cancer and thing, I get very edgy. I'm like, oh, because I feel like almost like time is ripping me back to those places. And it's like, 
you know how hard you fought to get out of that hole and you've talked to people and you've worked your way out and then that feeling again must have just like snapped. It's like a jigsaw piece suddenly slotting back again, like going back in the past. You've taken that jigsaw piece out and separated it from that black kind of darkness and then suddenly it slots back into place and it feels that complete picture of grief again. It was... Like I say, gusset roulette. It was just, it became, I had to become quite practical because obviously I had a child and I couldn't be... Yeah, so it must have been different to the first time round. Like, yeah, you can't sort of collapse. You're not allowed. No, it felt like, you know, I have a bit more of a responsibility here to... um, to not be breaking down and yeah. <laughs> delivering the black tears at every fight, you know, yeah. within Tesco, every time I saw a sort of Pampers um, ad or um, shelf shelves of uh, children's things. I do remember being in Asda and I had what was known as pregnancy sort of psychosis. So you have flashbacks. Uh, oh, wow and dreams uh, around baby loss and it's all very kind of hallucinogenic almost so this uh, after the miscarriage yeah it wow. was when i and i wrote a piece for the telegraph about it and it's a it, you know ucl have done a lot of research on it and i felt i was going absolutely mad yeah. i was dreaming and then actually having visions of having left may in a car park and just walking away and then not knowing where she'd gone and knowing there was a loss and it was a loss of her uh, and then it was obviously a loss of the child that uh, I was miscarrying and um, it would just, I I had to, I was with May when I had one of these um, kind of strange hallucinogenic, I said it's not hallucinogenic but it felt very much like a kind of fucked up acid trip yeah. of grief and I was in the Asda toilets which I'm not going to recommend as a <laughs> as a place. place to grieve yep. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know there, there was let's just say there was some uh, there's a little bit of soiling in there that oh, uh, didn't, <laughs> didn't help the mood and yeah. again I just all these moments happen in toilets like and I was yeah. miscarrying with my daughter there and this was um the time before uh, I'd miscarried in the nursery. And wow. I was always with May when it was happening. Yeah, of course, because you've got a small child. Them. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, wow, what is what is going on here? And I felt like I remember seeing the emergency cord <sighs> and uh, thinking, that's, that's just for people who fall down the toilet yeah, or like yeah. people who can't stand up. That is not for a woman who has, and I remember thinking the words, just lost a child. Mm. You know, I knew how many people it happened to. It was normal. It happened to a lot of people. Why am I, why am I unhinged in the Tin Goods Isle of Asda? And uh, actually it's exactly what you said. I think people process loss in such different ways yeah. that you can't chastise yourself no, you can't. For tripping out on some fucked up acid trip in Asda, going into the toilets, thinking about pulling the red cord. I mean, I, I, to be honest, it was with me the most exciting thing I'd ever done. You know, like, <laughs> just to see what happens. Are We've got a code right? red. Yeah, some, some poor janitor. Have you fallen over? Not quite. No, no. I'm having extreme hallucinogenic experience through grief. Can you help me? Are you okay? I'll fetch the manager. <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. fine. She said she was fine, everyone. Good. But I just that's the thing it's like grief is grief like and I know people who've lost parents haven't cried suddenly a dog dies they're in pieces like it's not 
your brain protects you from a lot of stuff. And I imagine if, you know, you had May and you were grieving this loss and you're trying to hold yourself together, I'm not surprised that your brain was like slightly not processing everything properly because you couldn't because you've got a kid to look after. And I know I've had some weird moments when you're so exhausted from looking after them and them not sleeping and trying to be the good mum that you really want to be. And then you're just doing something thinking, I don't think I'm all right, actually. I think I might not be okay. And that's normally when you just have to get yourself home, isn't it? Just get yourself home, have a cup of tea and yeah. hope that by the time you get home, somehow you manage to make a sentence. You've sellotaped like, over the kind of yeah. cracks. But you are, like you said, you're sellotaping over cracks. And I can imagine... Wanting to grieve and not being able to must have been really fucking hard because you have got that three-year-old who needs you to put the beans on toast and smile and be silly. And yeah, it's really... And Matt's way of dealing with grief is to swallow it and shit it out. And that's sick. So classic IBS route for grief. I mean, he's not alone. There's a lot of us out there. Hashtag sponsored. Hashtag uh, Rennies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like that's how he's he deals with it. So it felt like I was a little bit of a grieving, hallucinogenic, yeah. kind of not okay, but having to be island. Is it archipelago? Yeah, I felt like a group a, of islands. A yeah. group of islands with lots of different things going on yeah, and yeah. feeling like I should be one island that's secure for my daughter when actually yeah. my head was all over the place. Like, what's your grieving? You're grieving. But like it's... I said, Matt, just <laughs> suck it up, shit it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can. If that's what works. If it works, great. But that's the thing, again, of that having non-judgment, I think, is really important. Like, even my... um. When my husband, he's lost his dad and his mum, you know, he dealt with things very differently both times and he dealt with things differently to me. And I would often have to think, Carriad, you know, he's not doing the grief the way you do it. That doesn't mean it's wrong. You know, like sometimes I'd be like, we need to talk about it. We need to get this out. You need to share. And he'd be like, I just want to sit and be quiet. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, we need to. Everyone needs to talk till we cry. And he was like, I just want peace. Like, oh, and it's please me- leave me alone. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I see you're grieving in that way. OK. And it's it's really f- because we don't talk about it. You know, it's not taught in schools like most of our parents generations didn't talk about it either so we're like dealing with the biggest thing we'll have to deal with with no fucking textbook at all and I talk about this so much like parenting now I think there's you know you're part of that massive amazing movement which is like let's talk about the other side of it let's talk about how it can be hard or it's difficult and death is still slightly behind parenting of like actually guys there might be other bits that we have to talk about that you know that in modern day life are not not as painful as we think they are if we moments of laughter in the darkest places yeah i think that's the bit that really shook me yeah is exactly that like listening to the grief cast i think i said to you helped me more than i think any kind of counselling and it's different for everyone but it was being able to process other people's grief see how it was a spectrum of different colours different that there was laughter in it and it's not funny but there is lightness in that dark I always say it's not funny they died because I don't want people to be like oh she like it's like it's not funny they died but what happened around it was funny and that's the difference can the next one be black (laughs) yeah exactly uh uh (laughs) Let me see. I want to be honest with her. So <laughs> let me explain. This is what needs to happen if you want a, a yeah, a brother who isn't white. Okay, we're going to have to find someone. We're like, I don't think Papa will be happy with this. Yeah, but if that's what my child wants, I want my child to have everything she yeah. wants. <laughs> and so then you got pregnant with um, your second daughter. Yeah, Evie. Evie. 
so again like was it just again the gusset roulette playing every day you must have been so stressed out I can't imagine like I think by that point it was just a bit numb oh, uh, yeah, yeah. and I remember uh, it was the same kind of pregnancy anxiety but um, obviously through sharing a lot of information around miscarriage and um, I wrote that piece of the telegraph yeah. about kind of hallucinations and the slight psychosis around pregnancy anxiety when you have not just miscarriage I found out it wasn't just miscarriage it was people who had that innate fear of death of, yeah actually losing something even that, that you know they they hadn't lost before but they had that fear of doing that and um i think by sharing so much what i'd done was open the floodgates to a lot of conversation yeah. which was good and bad at the same yeah, time yeah and a bit I, like this right you, you you're really happy <laughs> to have that like i love doing cathartic. the podcast but then i get a lot of emails which it, it, I love when people share their stories, but there's days when you're not in a good mental space to deal with it. So then exactly. if you were pregnant, that must have been really tough to... And I, there was one point where I genuinely like had that hysterical... I, I can't quite replicate the noise, but it was a laugh cry. Like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. It was so happy. I'm nodding, yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was just didn't know how, what, what sound it was. It sounded a little bit sort of like a sort of a constipated llama. You know, like <laughs> it's the only way I could describe it. And it was a woman who'd had eight miscarriages wow. and we'd been in touch for about two years. And um, she sent me, I was about five months pregnant, she sent me a photo of her daughter who was born. And I made the constipated llama noise because mm. it was a fusion of extreme delight and happiness for her and extreme fear and sickness yeah. of... What oh I God, might lose you're in again. The middle, and... So you're like, I can't look yet. I can't look at your finish line yet because I'm not quite there yet. And then it's like selfishness. Well, come on, embrace the happiness. No. But there's such trauma you embedded. Have to process your, <coughs> you have to process your own trauma. I think it's really important to be self-aware to go, and I, you know, I need to learn this. Um, but like, you can be delighted once your baby's out. I've got the stress stiff. Yeah, right? stress stiff. I've got the stress stiff. <laughs> yeah, we both got the snot bubble, black tears, yeah. stress sniff. Because you, you, yeah, you have to be very gentle with yourself. And I think that's the thing. Once you, when something traumatic has happened to you, whether it is, you know, the death of a parent or the death of a child or death of a sibling, that's trauma, and it gets into your bones and your muscles, and it hurts and it's painful. And so, you know, you have to make sure you're healed. And equally, like if someone was like. Oh, look, my, this is a bad metaphor, but like if someone's like, oh, look, my, my massive cut's healed. And if you were still bleeding, you'd be like, oh, hang on a second. Like, can, I need to put plaster on my vest be- like, before I bit of disinfectant on that. Yeah, it's got a bit of gangrene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just being so gentle with yourself. But again, it's so easy to feel that your grief your is selfish. And I do think as well that the, the language of my miscarriage, which I think, the fact that it's common is really great that people know it, but then I notice it gets swept away sometimes. Like, oh, well, it's common, these things happen. And I spoke to people going, oh, we had one, but, you know, it happens. And I think, oh, we didn't even get a moment for that for that feeling. Like, And it's, again, it's great that people know it's common so they don't think, oh, my God, something's wrong with me. Yeah, but you're not alone, you're but not it's alone, still grief. But you, you are allowed to, even if it was two weeks, like, you are allowed to go, oh, I'm sad about that. Like, I'm actually a bit And upset. you're also okay, too, if you feel it's... Yeah, if you feel like, fine if you about can, it, yeah. I think I know a few people who genuinely have compartmentalised yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And I've had long conversations and <laughs> tried to talk about feelings. Yes, yeah. Uh, because I've had, obviously, a experience of a lot of people's grief around miscarriage that, you know, I have with a very close friend who did miscarry. I did want to dig deeper and, like... 
are you sure you're okay? Are you okay? Yeah. Are you, you, you kind of keep sort of pecking away. And actually, she genuinely did compartmentalise in a way that I couldn't. Yeah. And I think it's exactly what you said, is there are the, this myriad of ways of dealing with it. And yeah. every way is okay as long as you are allowing yourself to grieve in the right way or to compartmentalise if that is yeah. how you do it but not to your yeah. own don't do the sort of Matt Fox and like <laughs> suck it up shit it out <laughs> like, yeah it's about that's what I mean about self-aware you have to know am I just papering up the cracks or am I actually fine like I didn't I didn't see it as I've lost a baby I bled and it's gone and it's fine like and that's both ways are utterly fine it's funny I think this is happening with birth as well that now people don't no one expects everyone to have birth the same way like we're very aware now of like you know you know you it can be a wonderful experience or it can be a very traumatic experience there's a huge spectrum and that's great that that's happening but with grief as well it's like we don't all grieve the same way we don't all fall in love the same way like huge emotional things like you meet people who go oh i i saw them instantly across the room boom that was it and you meet people who go oh, i knew them for 20 years and didn't realize like oh i'm still not sure i'm still <laughs> I don't know, he's on a trial <laughs> and he's doing all right. But, you know, yeah. two and, kids deep, mortgage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can't get out. I can't be, honest, be, I can't be asked. <laughs> I mean, they say it's equal rights, but it's very hard for us to extract yourself from a mortgage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> joking, I'm joking. Um, but yeah, like to grieve, we all grieve differently. And I compl- I've had friends who've had abortions or had miscarriage and they're absolutely fine. Just like, yeah, don't really don't really think about it and that's absolutely fine but if it affects you differently equally then you need the different process and you need to look after yourself more gently and yeah not everyone suffers from anxiety like I think that is I don't know who you are (laughs) like on where you are and I I hope you're having a really nice time <laughs> because it, I can't. The pit. <laughs> I can't imagine what it's like not to worry constantly. But I, I hear people. Some people tell me. But do you worry about a lot of things, or is it focused? Yeah, I worry. Sorry, this isn't a therapy session. No, no, I'm just go. trying to get in your head. I worry about a lot of things. Yes, so I'm a warrior, definitely, as I used to call anxiety. I'm just a bit of a warrior, um, but definitely the death anxiety is at the root of it. So it, that's the sort of compulsive. I'll definitely be someone who's like. Oh, should I have said that? Should I have done that? Do I look at them weird? Maybe I shouldn't have worn that. Do they think? Do they think I was an idiot? Oh, I probably. That's constant. But I feel like, what can we do about that? That's who I am. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing I try and work on is the like. Oh, they didn't call me. I suppose they're dead. Or I'm walking across the road. I'm probably going to die. I wonder how B will cope when. Uh, you just need to be with May. Yeah. You will not die. <laughs> yeah, you will. Yeah, I need that. You I need, need some reassurance. May. You will not die. Yeah, and I. Oh, maybe I'll say this because it might make someone feel better but um, my constant death anxiety was like oh okay you know if one of us dies because that's what I grew up with and I just want to protect her from it and then I was like I think I was on the loo and I was like no I was on the train I was on the train and I was thinking it could be awful if one of us dies oh my god what if we both die and it never occurred to me and I was like oh thank you anxiety you presented me with the actual worst event possible because all this time I'd be like okay if one of us die if I die fine he's a good parent I've chosen well he'll yeah. look after him. and I was like oh so now that's what I'm now trying to process is if we both die I'm, just thinking, it. I'm just thinking of the party I literally like <laughs> plan my own funeral I keep constantly thinking of what would the what would the song be yeah. would that get enough tears <laughs> you want black tears yeah you want yeah, yeah. Tears, I wouldn't yeah. want so and so there like they're a massive dick <laughs> like, 
I'd like, well, should I do the guest list now just so they know? You know? Yeah. Well, and I, I don't want like dry sandwiches. I want them to make sure that the yeah. sandwiches are, you know, like they've got one of those boxes over them. Like, oh, um, yeah. And Go I want to Waitrose, guys. Get a, get a good. No, I, I want a bit more thought to it yeah, than okay, that. Okay, okay. Oh, sorry. Like, sandwiches. Oh, I just you're want... not coming to my funeral. <laughs> <laughs> I've done the cardo order for Anna. I think it's fine. <laughs> I'll put some cling film on it. <laughs> do you want a sausage roll, though? But oh, an yes. artisan one, ideally. Oh, yeah, yeah. You like, know, chopped up. Yeah. God, and some gherkins. Are you making me hungry? Sorry. So I was just wondering now, like, now you've had two children, obviously you might, you might want more. Like, do you, or do you feel like, do you feel like you have processed what happened to those lives? Or I guess I'm asking, and this is difficult for me when I do talk about miscarriage, I always feel a bit bad because I haven't been through it. Whereas the whole point of the podcast is I'm in the club, I fucking get it. And this is something I don't get. So do you feel like... Yeah, I guess they, like you said, they're still part of your family in that way of like they were lives that have been lost in that family. Yeah, I think the, you know, the best way of describing it is what has happened through losing these five lives mm. um, is it's opened up a discussion with my mum who lost two babies, wow. um, which I didn't really know about. Yeah. Uh, and she told me, we had a long discussion when I was uh, miscarrying with her. She, coming back to sitting in the hall together, she said, you, you do know that I lost two, two boys. Um, wow. And we were going to call them Mark and Paul. And they had names. And, you know, back in the 80s, yeah. like, nobody talked about grief. I mean, yeah. you think it's tumbleweed now. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. Like, oh, it's better than it was. Yeah. It was really like, I'm fine. Yeah. Uh, and then, would you like a Ferrero Rocher? <laughs> That was basically how to deal with grief in the 80s. And I think her using names was a real shock to me. And I was like 36 when we were having this discussion. And that was a really big moment, I think, was a mother helping her daughter mm. go through something that she had experienced, a grief that she had not talked about yeah. to me, to anyone else. Um, and she sat in the hall with me. And I remember just laughing again coming back to that strange line between laughter yeah. and sort of the darkness just going why Paul I mean <laughs> like Paul is a like sorry to any Pauls out there but I was just like I was like why did my sister get Mark Mark's quite like you know cool I was like what why did I get Paul <laughs> she was like we thought it was a lovely name and we were just having them in this pit of kind of grief yeah. where you had a mother who was helping her daughter who was miscarrying in that very moment. And that night, I, I processed grief around miscarriage by practical DIY tasks in the house. Our Ooh, house great. is immaculate now. Great, yeah, yeah. I tile, I grout. Uh, yeah, I clean, I bleach. Just yeah, really yeah. get into the nooks and crannies of that house. And uh, I decided at 4pm on a uh, Saturday with my mum there that we needed to retile the kitchen floor and it had four layers of lino that we just moved in and it was making me anxious yep, and yep. so Matt was like the Scott like, no yeah. I mean oh, yeah. it's 4pm on a Saturday we'll do it some other day or we can just wait I was like we can't wait and my mum looked him in the eye and said I'm going to B&Q went to B&Q picked up <laughs> everything came back and we retiled that kitchen floor for eight hours straight until five in the morning <laughs> and that again was she didn't say anything we just uncovered old lino with the old Waltham Forest echo coming up in between each layer from like 1976 side by side sweating into the early hours retiling a kitchen floor 
and I hadn't known that she'd gone through what I'd gone through and it was again just a woman helping another woman mm. retile a kitchen floor <laughs> oh like that's so perfect that's so perfect what an amazing mum to just go she but needs- fuck the name Paul <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ mum like something a bit snazzier I can't even believe I'm using the word snazzy <laughs> it's a classic mum word and so that's why you've gone there jazzy that's a jazzy talk um, well, Anna thank you so much no, for going to talk to me about it's been those- cathartic good about those five lives I really appreciate it thank you thank you you can follow Anna on Instagram and on Twitter at mother underscore pucker, that's P-U-K-K-A. And if you head to her website, motherpucker.co.uk, you can order her book, Parenting the Shit Out of Life. You can uh, watch her TEDx talk as well and just generally enjoy a whole world of uh, very, very funny, frank and honest communications about being a parent. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at thegriefcast or you can email thegriefcast at gmail.com. If you have enjoyed the show, please do rate and review it and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Um, uh, you know, I mean, we all have to say that. I think it's like legally binding now for a podcast. Music was provided by the Glue Ensemble. The show was edited by Kate Holland with thanks to Whistledown Studios. And remember, you are not alone. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started